Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Max, what's going on? I'm feeling great. You know, it's uh, Thursday night. There's basketball on. We're doing the pod. Then we're going to watch hoops. It's going to be great. Sounds like a good night. Yeah. We are uh, down one man. Our friend and pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, is back in Hamilton raising a child, doing his own thing. We will call him later on, though, yeah. uh, for the dessert. Also, on today's show, we have the one, the only, Jerry O'Connell. He's sort of like, in a subtle way, kind of like a very, not I don't want to say iconic face, but he's pretty like, if you saw his face, you'll know who he is immediately. There's other celebrities that maybe are technically more famous than him. Yeah. Like, Joaquin Phoenix or something like that. But I, I, don't, I think I'd recognize Jerry O'Connell's face before I recognized Joaquin Phoenix's face. He's a very recognizable yeah. face. And he's sort of been in pop culture and movies and TVs for the last, you know, 25, 30 years consistently. So that's why his face is just sort of part of, you know, our, our consciousness yeah. in a lot of ways. You know him from all sorts of things like Stand By Me when he was a kid, Sliders if you're into sci-fi in the uh, 90s. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise. This guy's done everything. He also is in a show that is on Bravo on Tuesdays at 8 called Carter. I got a whole story about how I went to a screening with Jerry, kind of had a fun, you know. I got, I got, I got, I'm going to set up this interview a little bit later. Okay. But Max, there's also some more exciting stuff going on right now. So for our listeners who don't know, we're recording this, like you said, on a Thursday night. It's kind of late because you needed to push this stuff back. Yeah. We're doing this in Dan Hamilton's condo right now. Who lives in your building. That's right. Nine floors below you. That's correct. Yeah. And the nut just walked in the door. Our condo. Oh, sorry. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> I was like, why does the nut look so indignant? I know right he's now. incredulous over there. Yeah. I thought he was like, because we didn't have a mic out for him or yeah. something. He's like, uh, and then Dan Hamilton's back there drinking a beer. And the reason, Maxi Boy, that we were doing this here and not at my place where we would normally do it if we were doing it late is because uh, my wife, Danica, is pregnant. I was going to say, drum roll, please, but <laughs> I, just straight to applause. Um, Congratulations on behalf you. of everybody. Thank you. Uh, and because of that, I was like, we, you know, we don't want to bother her. It's almost 9 o'clock at night. She's making a human. She's terraforming her body. It's, it's insane. So it's like, let her... I've seen Dan giggle over... Why are you laughing, Dan? Because only sci-fi nerds use terraform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a big word. All right, guys. So anyway, she's doing that. We uh, wanted to give her her space, but this is kind of turning into a fun pod thing. I mean, we got the, we the nut just walked in. We got Dan Hamilton. Yeah, there uh, might be a couple beverages here, a couple beers. It's gonna be nice and loosey goosey. That's right. So uh, before we get to other stuff, yeah, um, walk us through. I don't know if this is too, how you make a baby. Yeah, <laughs> what song were you playing? <laughs> um, what uh, because I don't know if this is too personal, but I know there was um. A time when you and Danica were, you know, we'd ask, you know, anybody who's married or been together for a long time and in their 30s. Sure. You go, oh, you guys think about kids, think about kids. Yeah. And there's a time where you guys were like, eh, I don't know. Like you genuinely seemed to be unsure about the whole prospect. And then, of course, you now you're having a kid. So what was there? Was there a conversation or many conversations that were had? To wow. Be- you're, you're mic on munching me right yeah. now. Uh, great, great question, Max. Thank you. Um, I feel, well, here's the thing. We were very content and happy to be sort of like youngish professionals kind of like let's look focus on our careers and it was never something for either of us where it was like for a lot of people i think they're you know whether it's marriage or kids i think they maybe are like i i really want to be a dad our good friend mark myers said he always knew he wanted to be a dad i was always like you know if if it's the right person like i kept punting like i'll i'll think about that when i need to think about it but in the interim i'm just gonna focus on other stuff because it just felt so far away and so sort of like foreign to me yeah. Um, 
but yeah, in the last like little bit, we kind of started talking about it and I guess we just felt like the time was right. And, uh, yeah, we were both out like, it was like, you know, it's kind of like, she's like, are you into it? I'm like, yeah. Like, are you into it? She's like, yeah. And we kind of just went for it, man. Yeah. Cause I always thought Danica, uh, had a very, wouldn't have sex with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like that. I was just shocked that you guys even did it. Uh, no, that, you know, she always, you know, she loves her niece, uh, at least on Instagram, she likes her niece. Yeah. I don't know if she doesn't really yeah. her very no, cute, she, adorable niece. Yeah, she does. Like, I mean, that's, that's her life. And, and she has a very motherly kind of calmness to her or something like and she's really like she's a family person yeah that's the thing she really does like yeah and uh so how did it go because you're the first uh veerman boy of you and your brother to to have a kid how did uh the big announce go and by the way i know how the story generally went but i think it's good well this is another thing maybe our listeners should know so i the reason we're talking about this now is i've posted on uh, my instagram and socials and all like danik and i uh, have told sort of the larger social circle of friends that we have but Obviously, everyone in this room has known for a long time that uh, she's cooking up a baby. Um, like, all of our close friends and our family, we have known for uh-huh. quite some time. So, like, no one in here is shocked. In fact, the Nut and Dan are just staring at their phones and drinking beer right now. That's yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> true. I'm making a fucking human, guys. It's very touching. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, what was the question? Uh, so, well, yeah, how, when you broke the news to Roy Boy. When we told my dad, because uh, he's... This is the other thing that happens, and listeners, maybe you're entering that age or you'll get there later, but like if you get married or you're in a long-term relationship, parents tend to kind of like do this thing, and honestly, parents shouldn't do it, and I will never do this to my kid, is it's like they're like, so, like, when are you having a baby? I always thought that's weird. That's it's whack. so weird. It's just the assumption is weird to me. It's but, weird, yeah. and it's just like, there's a few, like, it's just like, just leave it be. Yeah, and also, what do you what do you know? It's like maybe they're having trouble conceiving. There's Could be that. that totally, or maybe they just don't want kids, or they don't want to have it. And this you're gonna make them feel anyway. So I would just say stay off that. But anyway, that being said, my dad was always like, "So when you're gonna give me a grandkid?" And I get it, whatever. So when we told him, we knew it would be sort of this big moment because he uh, it's something that he's wanted <laughs> probably much longer than we even knew we wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. So when we told him, uh, my brother. And uh, Danica and I were going to take him out for his 60th birthday. And uh, so we get to the house and my brother's filming it. And he's like, this is great footage, by the way. He goes, all right. <laughs> he's like, uh, some beers for everybody. And we're like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, but uh, no drinks for Danica because she's uh, going to be the designated driver tonight. He goes, okay. And I go, in fact, she's going to be the designated driver until October. And he goes, and, and all three of us are kind of staring at him, waiting for him to like put it together. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, what? You just quit drinking? Something weird happened? <laughs> like, and, and, <laughs> That's fucking And so great. none of us answer. And he's kind of got the fridge door open, like waiting to grab the beers and, and wait for us to answer. And then we, none of us answer. And I'm kind of like staring at him, like for him to put it together. It's like one beat. He's doing the math in beat. his head. And then he goes, no, no, no. Oh, my God. And then he walks over to Danica and he hugs her and he starts crying. And, you know, Dan's like tall and my dad's, you know, a smaller dude. So he's really nuzzled up and he's crying in her shoulder. And it was a really nice moment. Uh, and I'm standing kind of like by the fridge and she like so they they part and I'm ready for like my hug because like I, you know, I half did this. Yeah. And he literally went right back to the fridge. And he goes, so who wants a beer to celebrate? <laughs> and he completely fucking skipped me for my hug. And I was like, all right, I see how it's going to be. And uh, so anyway, that's that's uh, <laughs> Roy. Roy boy. But Roy boy is excited. He's thrilled. He's yeah. like, he's already like, I'm buying a crib, blah, blah, blah. Like uh, his dog, nice. Dallas, he's like, Dallas is going to protect that kid. And anyway, 
I know. <laughs> okay. That's good. He's into it. So I'm happy. I'm happy. He's for training him. Dallas already. Yeah. And her family's absolutely thrilled and fantastic and, wow. and all that stuff. So anyway. Have you like sort of I'm sure you've dreamed of like what kind of like dad you're gonna be. Have you thought about like, okay, these are the things I can't wait to tell my kid about? Right. I like I'm interested in the idea of like raising a human being and sort of imparting the qualities that I admire, like I hope that the kid is like empathetic and not <laughs> like a sociopath or a little shithead or, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I, I, I basically Danica is such a good person. And, and I think that the two of us together can, I, I, to answer your question, I have big thoughts about how I want to do it. And, and like, who knows? Because at the end of the day, it's like, you can't make your kid. Into you can't something. make it. But I will say that like, for instance, my dad, uh, two things that still are with me today, like his love of sports and his love of the Beatles. Yeah. Like those are things that he introduced to me when I was like, the first movie I ever watched was a Beatles movie. I was reading the sports page or the, at least the box scores when I was four years old. Yeah. Because that's something my dad showed me. And my dad is not a pushy guy at all. And I don't think you'll be a pushy dad at right. all. But there are fun things that you can do with your kid that's like, oh, this is like a fun kind of bond we have or a sensibility is totally. there anything that you that you like? Because because I've been talking to Dan Dan about this, our Dan about you being our, a dad. Oh, about me being a dad. Yeah, and just you like, guys are talking about me being talking a dad about you my being back. a dad, and also just you being, um, you know, like wanting to show the baby great comedies, sure, and, sure, and uh, great movies. It's just or basketball. Like we're gonna watch basketball together, and it's gonna be kind of fun. Like even and and if you grow out of it, that's okay. But like as an introductory kind of thing, absolutely. Like all of those things are are like exciting to me for sure. But one of the things that somebody said this to me, but I remember my brother or somebody else, maybe somebody uh, texted me. And I feel bad because I'm forgetting who it was that said this, but um, maybe it was Sean Menard, actually, director mm-hmm. of The Carter Effect. Uh, he said, he'd messaged me after he found out and he was saying, you know, it's crazy. Like your kid is going to have like more than a hundred episodes to listen to of you doing what we're doing right now. Yeah. Like, like even like the band stuff I have, like there's kind of like this, like, I don't want to use the word legacy, but there's this like, box of content that that they'll be able to go through you know it's like these podcasts that we do they'll be able to like there's a record of me in this time whether it was like the band those videos those those things i mean you have this as well if you ever have a kid. yeah that's cool though because like i think about like my dad who you know was a social worker but when he was in college it was like the radio dj and there was like a newspaper article for the college paper written about my dad as a radio dj yeah he had a big beard and a big afro that's awesome and it was like 1968 in detroit and i was like that's kind of cool so it's like and when you love to hear like tapes of him talking and who he was then yeah there's so much more of that for for us i know it's all documented it's all now. there which which probably for some people it's like this is a problem there's too much out there <laughs> <laughs> but i think um actually you know i was thinking about that idea but with the podcast itself it's like because i don't keep a journal and i you know i'm not that interested in like documenting my journey totally but by virtue of instagram and twitter and this podcast there there's a at least a curated version of a diary it's not, it's not like the most uh sort of uh painfully um open shane segments yeah shane segments are <laughs> will age like that they, they will but but at least, at least there's something that's kind of cool. there's a record and there's a record which i think is kind of of us being casual and talking anyway so when i thought about it in that context it's all cool yeah i mean but you know i'm like I'm, I'm i'm into it it's gonna be super fun and we'll see how it all goes i just hope that the baby's healthy and happy and everybody uh, it all works out another dad in the champagne boys group champagne it's good. we're gonna be called the champagne dads at some point i know i know it's all changing hey here's a question for you actually uh in me complaining about having to grow up, um, I was thinking about like how much 
a commitment or expectation I like should have for everybody's kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're my friend. Shane's my friend. Yeah. Jug's my friend. But here's the thing. I have four nieces and nephews. Yeah. And that takes up a lot of my time. So I don't know how much more time I have for little kids or to be invested in and to be like Uncle Max. Yep. You know? And sometimes, you know, when you're a good friend, you're like, you become like the uncle character. Sure. I don't think I can be an uncle character for everybody. I will tell you this. So what do you, what do you want from me? From our perspective, yeah. you owe us nothing. Okay. We don't, put, we don't want to put them kind of burdens on people. Just man. our friendship. Just our friendship. Okay. And I'm cool. sure I'm going to love the little person. Yeah. And hey. in the same way, I haven't met Lucy yet, but I'm sure I'm going to love Lucy. I met Lucy. Oh, yeah. How was that? I was there this weekend. Yeah. It was great. Shane's like dadding out. Yeah. Like he's, he's taken to it. Full on dad. He's a full on dad. Yeah. What else has been going on, my man? Well, a couple of things actually that I wanted to get your advice on. Oh, okay. So last week on the pod, I talked about um, my cell phone use in Europe yes. and how I didn't really care to change my cell phone habits at all. Other people are a lot more uh, disciplined when it comes to sort of recognizing that there's going to be data overages, that it costs more money to use your phone if you're in the United Kingdom, for example. I said, screw it. I'll pay whatever it costs. I got the bill and the bill was $2,500. Yeah. And then I posted it on Instagram, posted the bill yeah. on Instagram stories. Saw that today. And then I got a call or a text group from, from Shane, you, and Manager Ash saying, Max, you left your phone number. In- <laughs> <laughs> when I saw, I was like, that is so Max. That, like to just kind of overlook that. Uh, just like post your phone number on just our socials. Big picture guy. Honestly, I'm such a fool. Sometimes I wonder what my IQ is. <laughs> you, know, you know, like sometimes I just think I'm so stupid. Like for instance, I still, like I went to school. I have an honors bachelor degree in political science, meaning that I had to write a lot of essays. Sure. I still don't know how to use postures properly. Every time I was like, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We got some great moms. I got the apostrophe wrong every single time. <laughs> like if it's any, anything kind of detail related, yeah, I'm really quite pathetic about it. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up. No. And also, you know, okay, well, I'm getting to another thing. So, you know, for instance, like if, um, you know, with a band, we have to have meetings, like, sure. you know, with management or production, you know, we're doing a lot of planning on the rally. If the meeting goes longer than eight minutes <laughs> and it's something I'm not interested in, I just zone out. I go on my phone. I need to go for a walk. Like I'll be in the middle of a boardroom and I'll just have to go for a walk like nine <laughs> minutes into the meeting. It's so. So wait, you just stand up and everyone's like, well, there goes Max. Kind of. People right. have come to expect that to me. But then because the band has been is doing fine, I think people start to handle me with kid gloves where they go, oh, Max just needs to do that. Yeah. I'm really not living in reality at all. Like I have no. Um, I don't really do anything that I don't want to do. Sure. I mean, that's a good way to live, man. It's a great way to live. But sometimes you find yourself slipping into this realm of no consequence. Um, no, because I like to think that I make up for any of my deficiencies in other ways that other people maybe aren't as good at. I couldn't exactly tell you what that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just know you're worth it. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all you're saying. <laughs> I'm, worth it. I'm worth it, babe. Um... So last week, oh, uh, I was also talking about having to outfit uh, this new apartment I'm living in with Lauren. One of the things I really hate, and I mentioned this last week, is like outfitting an apartment. I love going into a nice apartment. Like Anthony and our band and his wife, Scarlett, have a great place. And every time I'm in there, I feel it. I th- and like you have a great place. Mike Dio's a great place. Every time I go into a great place, I'm always like, oh, yeah, this is the way to live. Yeah. It's clean. It's hip looking. It's awesome. I just have zero interest in actually executing that. 
So, but if it's my place, I actually have to do something. If I'm a partner, I have to go to Ikea. I have to, you know, go to the garden center, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Now, we uh, found a, um, a a patio table on the side of, uh, actually, our friend Melissa Bird tipped us off. She said, oh, my, ten- my upstairs neighbor just put a patio set outside. Go claim it right now because we need one for our patio. Sure. We go over there. It's in great shape. We bring it upstairs to our place. And of course, I have no clue how to put it together. <laughs> Are you good at putting stuff together? Good at putting stuff together? I can, I can make my way around some IKEA furniture. Really? Yeah. I, I've already checked out on that. Really? It's, oh yeah. Yeah. Like I've always just called Jug, <laughs> who's my old roommate. <laughs> Even when he stopped being this? my roommate, I'd be like, Jug, come on over and do this because I just know if if I tried to work on it for more than ninety seconds, yeah, I'd uh, be. Like a real nightmare, and I turn into a real grump. I, I see. I see it as like a uh, like if say we buy a piece of furniture that d- it does require assembly, IKEA or otherwise. I like I do like to take it and like I'm not like a man's man. I don't like do handy things. Yeah, but I can handle it if you give me the instructions. I put in like my earbuds. I listen to some music or a podcast, and I go to work. And there's a real sense of accomplishment in building one of these things. Oh yeah, whenever there's any instructions. I'm out. I'm just <laughs> calling Dan. I'm calling Jug. I'm calling anybody who will figure this out for me. And then here's the thing, though. My mom uh, is a very handy person. And she comes from, like, you know, her grandparents were farmers. And her dad was sort of like a, a serious sort of like industrious kind of guy. She's very self-sufficient. When I was a kid, she she was the one in our family taking me to the, the hardware store. Okay. My dad is useless. <laughs> when it comes to that stuff he's very good at other stuff yeah also can't sit in a meeting for more than eight minutes if he gets bored yeah you know, honestly i get it from him uh so my mom is very ashamed of me for um uh for not for being becoming, your lack of handiness yeah and and so and, and there's been instances before where i needed to call somebody to help she's like max you need to figure out how to do this yourself this is part <laughs> about being an adult so anyway, I'm at my parents' house, and I'm like, hey, we got this table. I don't, I don't know how to put it together. I'm going to call Emily. Because Emily, my sister, inherited the handiness from my mom, and I inherited the handiness from my dad. <laughs> and so the Kerman men are totally useless. The Kerman <laughs> women are the best. Yeah. They're so good at everything. And Emily is amazing at putting together anything. So then, I, so I say to my mom, and I say, yeah, I'm just going to call Emily. And she's like, don't you call Emily. She has enough to do. You, I'm like, no, she's good at it. She's good. She's like, no, you have to do it yourself. You have to figure out how to do it. I'm like, mom. And then my dad is standing behind her just laughing, going, <laughs> he's making the phone signal in like, his hands. He's like, call Emily, call me. Because whenever my dad needs anything done, he calls Emily. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I'm like, mom, look. It's also a chance to hang. Well, this is it. People have, their different, have different strengths and, and people take joy in executing their strengths. I am good at organizing baseball trips. <laughs> That's what I said to my mom. Let's not deny her nature. This is it. It's called uh, the division of labor. There you go. Adam Smith, famous economist, I think he said that. Yeah, you get to do the fun shit and other people do all the ba- <laughs> the lame shit. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. It's a great division of labor. It's a yeah. great division of labor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, so that's been me putting together my uh, apartment shit. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Well, speaking of relationships... We're here supporting uh, our friend Dan, who's actually going through almost possibly. We don't know this for sure. <laughs> I can't believe you're talking about this on so air. This I, is great. I was coming down to Dan's condo, uh, and I was said, guys, I'm going to pick up some drinks because after we're done the pod, we're going to watch basketball. And then Dan texted me back. He said, you know, the girl I'm seeing right now, she's going out for drinks with her uh, 
ex-boyfriend. <laughs> that was at four o'clock. And I haven't heard from her since. It's like, guys, this might be a long night. Buy me extra. Not get over here. Just just a quick update. While you guys were recording, Dan and I are sitting next to each other on the couch, and Dan texted me from three inches away that she still has not texted him. Wow. So, th- you know, here's the thing is that, you know, when you're in a newer relationship or you were single and, you know, some if you're seeing or at least talking to somebody, yeah. every night is exciting, you know? That's true. Yeah, and, and some nights it's full of glory. You know, you're making a connection. Yeah. You know, you're experiencing new things. Some nights she's going out with her ex-boyfriend <laughs> and, you, and you're depressed and you want to just throw yourself out this nine-story window. <laughs> so we're here with you, Dan. Hammy, uh, can, we, can we keep all this? But and you know what? More more important than us keeping this is we're here for you. And after we get off these mics, we're gonna sit on that couch with you and have a cuddle. Here's a question, actually. This is for everybody in the room. I love these kind of moments. Someone's going through something that's kind of exciting, and ultimately, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure she'll she'll text you in like 20 minutes. But like, there's an excitement. Now, the more people that get shacked up, those kind of exciting, kind of like whimsical, like fun moments don't happen anymore. It only yeah. happens when you're young and single. So uh, how do we, you know, hold on to that? How do we keep the magic going? Yeah, how do we keep the magic going? I think Shane said, was it you this or say in another dessert where you just have to keep, it's like you got to wait until the divorce? Yeah, I guess I guess it just, I guess when the divorce is kicking. You got to cycle out. Well, here's, yeah. here's, <laughs> cycle out. here's the problem, <laughs> male or female. Here's the, here's, the, here's the thing is it's like nothing will ever be um, as exciting as it is in the beginning. And that, and when people talk about relationships and they talk about how it's work, what they're really talking about is the sort of fading of excitement, the absence of shock and yeah. delight, because we want to be surprised, right? So the thing is, anytime you've been in a long-term relationship, and anybody listening, I think, could relate to this, and maybe there's some weird unicorn couples out there that are like, I'm still surprised every day. And it's <laughs> like, like, and you're like, fuck you. <laughs> good, I'm glad you're living such a great life. You know, That's the work part. Yeah. But if you find the right person, man, it's not... The work can be joyful. It can be cool. It can be really it gratifying. It doesn't feel like work all the time. That's right. It's like, I just want to be around you. Yeah. I'm, may, you know, maybe this isn't helping Dan's feeling right now. Whoa. What, what was said, that? Reply, repeat yeah, it. Dan just said he sent two Insta videos and she has not replied yet. Okay, you can't seem too thirsty, she even brother. Look at it. She's so entranced in that conversation with her ex-boyfriend <laughs> that she couldn't even bear to look at her phone. This is good. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right, anyway, we got to get to this interview. We do. Uh, with the one and the only, uh, like you said, very recognizable face and uh, a very accomplished actor. He's literally worked steady for like 30 years. Mr. Jerry O'Connell. What was he like? He was a good dude. He's one of those guys that's like... Really, I think one, he's just probably naturally very personable, um, but he's like the sort of guy that when you walk into the room, he immediately is like, hey, how was your day? What'd you get up to? And oh, you know, like, when you interview like celebrities or people that are in entertainment, it's like, even if he doesn't necessarily care about my day, just the fact that he's savvy enough to even ask that, because it's like, it doesn't take much. You do this too, I think, sure. when you're doing press or junkets. Yeah. Well, you know what? I always find that, um, when you meet somebody who does that, who's like a kind of just a professional famous person, y- you respect the fact that they know who they are and know what they might mean to someone and that they go, you know, I'm going to do the the thing that would make someone feel okay. We opened for them Crooked Vultures in like 2010. and I was at that show. Uh, well, that was, was that before we were friends or just around? We were at we the were... cusp of like, we knew each other because as you were coming off stage, I actually had backstage passes oh, through right. like much. I knew that, yeah. But, but Dave Grohl is in that band. And he went out of his way to be 
Nice. Like he 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 knows he's Dave Grohl. He knows that anybody that's ever been in a band thinks that guy's a god. Yeah. So he goes up, "Hey, I'm Dave. How's it going? How's Soundcheck?" Like, and sure, it takes a little ex- little extra energy to do that, but like he just knows every time he does that, he's made that person's week. And kudos to him for doing that. And so it sounds like Jerry O'Connell wanted certain levels similar yeah totally and for me like and and uh, it's funny because uh, shane who's been off uh with the baby when he found out we were doing Jerry o'connell there's kind of an excitement for like guys like us that have sort of obsessively consumed movies and television for the last couple decades he's been around he's been in so many things like we said off the top yeah. that it was interesting to sort of talk to a guy that became successful at whatever he was nine and then managed to work steadily all the way through and sort of has this ostensibly healthy marriage with Rebecca Romaine and his kids and you know he's got this new show and it was just a, it was a cool talk and it was funny because uh, I'd watched the show and like the screener they sent me before I, I talked to him and then right after that Sarah McLaren who sets these interviews mm-hmm. up shout out to Sarah she <laughs> said hey we're doing a screening at the Hazleton of the thing it's like mm-hmm. Jerry's gonna be there if you want to come and I'm like eh, eh. and she goes open bar I was like what time does the screening start Sarah so uh, I end up I end up going to the screening uh, me and Sarah hanging out uh, Jerry comes up like right. hi you know he's super cool and one of the funny things about Jerry uh, is at that screening he uh, I don't know if it's because he'd been doing press since 6 a.m. and then the screening was at like 6.30 and he, I, you know, he'd just been going straight right. and afterward there was like a Q&A that he did but he had this kind of like really interesting energy sort of right from the start. So we're all in this little theater at the Hazleton so it's probably like a, I don't know, 35 seat theater and we're sitting there and you know, they say a little speech about the show Carter that he's doing on Bravo and the lights go down and Jerry's in there like with us like we're all sitting in a home theater watching with him wow. And just as the lights go down, there's like a beat of silence. And Jerry goes, anybody got any edibles? <laughs> that's funny. Slays the room. Like, slays the room. He's just like one of those guys that's kind of always on and like mm. wants to put people at ease. Yeah. And then afterward in the Q&A, maybe he had some edibles. I don't know. But he was pretty punchy and just open. And he was like busting jokes. And he told um, really funny stories about like getting drunk in North Bay, which is where they shot the mm-hmm. show Carter. And he told this kind of interesting story. And I don't think I'm offside telling this because anybody could have filmed it in the room. But he was very honest. And he was like, maybe this is like a weird story to tell. But he talked about doing that show, Crossing Jordan, oh, yeah. which like ran for like eight seasons or something. That was like a big that. show. Big show. Network money. And uh, he talks about how he was being like he was in season five of the show. He said he was like bored to death. He said, but the thing is, he was making more money than he'd ever made in his life. And he goes, I know that's going to make you all probably not like me very much to say that. But he's like, but I was making so much money. So I get why people stick with these shows, even though they're bored. He's like, how many times can I look at a computer screen and be like, we have a match. <laughs> or kick in a door and be like, freeze. He's like, and I'm not like Daniel Day-Lewis or anything, but I like being challenged. But the money's just so good. You stay. So he was like telling stories uh. like this that were genuinely funny and self-aware and uh, cool. And honest. Too. And honest. Yeah. Anyway, so... It, all I'm saying is charming guy, interesting dude. And one thing I do want to note is, so when you listen to this interview, dear listeners, um, you're going to hear some weird like radio static throughout the interview. So what's going on here is we did this interview at 299. It's like this really fancy spot that they do all the fancy interviews in. And this like recording device we use, I guess, picks up these radio frequencies. I've heard it here or there, but it's never been too bad. I've never recorded in this room. The minute we start rolling, like you know in these interviews, yeah. you can't stop. I can hear we're getting some radio interference. And you're thinking, fuck, 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 fuck. 100%. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, this audio is going to be bunk. This is a nightmare. But I can't stop now. And I wouldn't even know how to fix it if I tried. Mm-hmm. So I just roll with it. So 
please bear with us. I'm sorry that there's a little bit. It gets better at times. It gets worse. But it's like a weird like radio signal floating through the air that this recording device is picking up. Um, hopefully, it's not too intrusive. But uh, it will never happen again because I immediately like went on all the message boards for this piece of equipment, and I learned how to like mitigate that going forward. Man, and, and this goes back to your ability to do such things and my inability to read more than two sentences. As soon as you said I went on a Reddit bar- board to fix this problem, yeah. I got anxiety. Like I got anxiety. You got anxiety yeah. about that. Just just thinking about having to do that one day myself. All right. Well, also, listeners, like we said last week, we've had a huge spike in downloads. Somebody on uh, Twitter uh, suggested it might be because uh, people are on Wi-Fi, so it automatically downloads all our episodes. I dig it. Whatever the answer is, <laughs> it's we'll good with it. me. Yeah. So please, if you're a new listener, if you're a Jerry O'Connell fan, we have more than 100 episodes. Please go back and check them out everywhere you get your podcasts, whether it's Google Play, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, the iHeartRadio app. We're there. Listen to us. There's over 100. Lots of good times. We love doing it. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. Do all that good stuff. Do you want to get to Jerry O'Connell? Let's do it. We're just going to roll and chat. Yeah. So your brother got married. My brother got married. Um, it was it was a gorgeous wedding. It was really fun. Super like, I mean, just like not crazy amount. Like I think like 60 people. Nice. And... Um, he asked I me. Mean, he asked everybody not to speak at all. He didn't want anybody talking at the wedding. But man, I was the best man, so I had to grab the mic and say a few things. I had <laughs> some things that had to be said. Sure. So he requested no speeches, right? And you did not abide that rule. I did not abide by that. And then the floodgates opened, so everybody came up and said something oh. after that. <laughs> That's so funny. He so- was probably right in saying nobody. Um, Nobody say anything. But then as a catalyst, everybody said something. Of course. Come on. You have to. You have a couple drinks and they're getting married. You got to embarrass them. That's right. I, my brother was my best man as well, actually. Um, I think that's what you got. Do you only have one brother? One brother, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's quite a bond. I mean, it's funny. I'll run into some people and they're not necessarily close with their sibling or their brother. And I had such a different experience. It's always kind of fascinating to me when people aren't close as siblings. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, it happens too, you know. Believe me, my brother and I have had our ups and downs, so... I understand people who <laughs> have issues with siblings. Sure, sure. Um, well, I kind of want to start with Carter, obviously. Sure. And uh, I read that you have Bruce McCullough of Kids in the Hall to thank for getting this job. Absolutely, man. Because I'm like a huge Kids in the Hall fan. Of course. And uh, so like, what's your history with Bruce? So, I mean, l- let me just explain to everybody. I'm Jerry O'Connell and I'm in a show called <laughs> Carter. Okay? L- l- like, that's where I'm going to start. Sure. Carter is... About a guy who's a Hollywood actor who plays a cop in a Hollywood TV show. You know, one of those like standard procedural things. It's very successful. He stops doing the show, moves back to his small town of Bishop, Northern Ontario, which is, we shoot it in North North Bay. And he thinks he can help the cops solve crimes using his TV detective skills. Now, I know that sounds like, I mean... It sounds like a pretty standard sort of TV pitch, right? They um, did a oh, little bit of this with uh, Rob Lowe, I feel like, Rob as a lawyer. Rob Lowe and the Grinder. You got um, Castle, the fact he was a writer helping the cops. Yeah. We've seen this before. But the fact that it was written by Gary Campbell, who is who is our creator, who was a former writer on Kids in the Hall. Yeah. And has that sort of irreverent Canadian funny... Funny bone, you you know. So it's not just, it you know. When, when I pitch the show, it's an actor helping the police department solve crimes. That's like sort of the cheesy pitch, but 
it's just done right with with Gary Campbell of Kids in the Hall fame, who worked with Bruce McCullough, who's one of the kids in the hall, who I worked for years ago on a short-lived television show. And I think Gary Campbell said, hey, what's the deal with this guy, Jerry O'Connell? And I think Bruce McCullough, star of Kids in the Hall, said, <laughs> you should um, you should hire him. He's a lot of fun. Because I had a lot of fun with Bruce McCullough, primarily because... I, I was such a huge fan of Kids in the Hall. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a I'm a 44 year old guy, so that's my it's right in the pocket. That's my wheelhouse. Right yeah, there, man. You know, flying pigs and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, that's my that's my jam. Yeah. Well, it's funny I, in watching the pilot. I mean, it gets pretty dark at the end in sort of like that very funny Kids in the Hall sort of fashion, where it's sort of always playing the duality of like there's some absurd comedy going on, and then it goes to a really dark place, and it's like wow, like this like dark comedy, you know, and sort of which is their bread and butter. Yeah, you know, it's Gary Campbell, it's Canada, it's um that sort of irreverent Canadian style, and the the thing that's most fun for me about Carter is the fact that it's makes fun of police procedurals but really it's a police procedural so yeah. you know we're we're sort of banking on the fact that you know people who maybe think police procedurals are cheesy will really like it and people who like police procedurals will like it as well it's um it just really made me laugh because listen you can't knock these shows they make a lot of money they're highly successful it's what people want to watch on television they want to watch you know a murder you know it you know suspects have the crime unfold all that stuff and then at the end you get you you capture whoever did it i mean could you imagine if like on like murdoch mysteries they didn't figure out who did it at the end people would like be like why did i just waste an hour of my life yeah doing well this? i mean you know the the big appeal of law and order is the resolution in an hour you get everything served to you in that that perfect <laughs> little hour yeah i'm always interested too in sort of the minutia of how sort of people go about their work and obviously you guys shot in a small town in north bay uh, when you're there, are you do you rent a house? Are you living like you hotel living? Like I lived you- in a I lived in a motel. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I we just went out every night. You know, you finish work and in a town like Nord Bay, it's just there's you know a bunch of really good restaurants, a bunch of really good bars. And weren't you really- weren't you yelping everything while you were there? Oh yeah, <laughs> I did this super funny thing where, you know, I mean, I I, I realize I'm not you know. Brad Pitt or like George Clooney, but you know, I'm, let me tell you when I'm in Nord Bay, I'm quite possibly the most famous person in Nord Bay. And (laughs) aside from a few people on the OHL battalion team, that's a possibility, but I'm like the most famous person there. And so I was doing this thing where every place I went to, I would leave a Yelp Yelp review (laughs) and I would leave it as myself and everything. And it was just, um, you know, I mean, just everyone is so accommodating to us coming there and really helping out. And it's just a special place. And I mean, I thought what I was like, how can I like really like thank everybody in like Nord Bay for everything that they've done for me? And I was like, oh, I know I'll leave Yelp reviews for everybody. And I did it for everybody. The airport, the ho- every hotel, just everywhere you went, every restaurant, the florist shop. Yeah. Everything. I think I left it for the Max, the gas station. I think I left some <laughs> reviews for the Timmy Ho-Ho's, two of them, three of them. I just did it everywhere. Yeah. The huh. you know also I find it fascinating. It's super fun. You can follow me on Yelp as well. Oh really? Yeah. There's a plug for the Yelp. Follow Jerry O'Connell on Yelp. I don't think anyone has ever urged people to follow them on Yelp. This might be a first. 
<laughs> Go ahead, uh, Jerry O'Connell. Follow me at Yelp. I'm right there, Jerry O'Connell. You'll see a lot of uh, reviews of uh, everything Nord Bay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I review every bar. It's really funny. You should get North Bay. You may. You could be in like a commercial for North Bay. I feel like I should be. Yeah. Um, it, like it, you're the you're the strongest advocate I've ever heard for the for that place. Joking aside, it's a gorgeous place. Yeah, it really is. And you know the reason why I think I am such an advocate for North Bay, which is where Carter, the television show I work on, which is on Bravo, shoots, is that I didn't even know I had never heard of North Bay until I went up there. Mm. I, I'm sorry, I'd never heard of it. I had heard of Timmins, Ontario, and that's the only northern town I had heard of. Mm. And I only heard of that because I knew it's where Shania was was from. Yeah. But once I got to Nord Bay, I was like, I gotta like I kind of feel like it's my obligation to let everybody know about this place now. It's very kind of you. Um with that though, in your line of work, which is I think unique in the idea of how much time I think maybe when you're shooting you spend away from your family. How do you approach that? You know, when you're apart from your wife and kids, are you sort of like it's just that's just the job? I go back a lot on the weekends. Oh, okay. Um, you know, um, it's the job. You know, it just is. The job takes you away from home. And yeah. um, you know, my wife is an actress, so she's very understanding of it and extremely helpful. And I would not be able to do it if I were not married. That's for sure. Interesting. For sure. I mean, it's, um, that's, I, I really have my wife to thank for it. You can follow her on Yelp. <laughs> is that true, too? No, I don't think my uh, wife is on Yelp. Yelping family. Well, my wife is on Instagram, Rebecca Romaine. Yeah. I think anyone that's listening to this is probably well aware of who, who your wife is. No, might be. some people don't, that's you true. know? Maybe just some North Bay fans listening in to uh, <laughs> hear us yap about their place. Um, are you someone that always wanted to have a family? You know, some people are like, oh, I want to grow up and get married and have kids. And other people are like, eh, if it happens, it happens. I, you know, I never really thought about it until really I met my wife. I just really? think you get old and you date and then you date long enough. You date one person long enough and you're sort of at that age. And um, I'm, I'm really glad I did it, though, man. I I um, I I really love my wife. I mean, listen, I mean, I don't want to point fingers, but I can tell the same from you. You speak. I've only known you for a few minutes now and you've yeah. spoken twice very affectionately about your wife. You know, it's... um. <laughs> It's fun, isn't it? It's great, you know. But I, but I'm, but I was somebody who wasn't necessarily like into the idea. Like I almost, I was almost like, yeah, maybe. If, if it, like it's like I wasn't thinking about it much, like you. And then once I got in it, I was like, man, this is this is the greatest. Yeah, we're um, we're having a good time. It, it, it really is. And if you have kids, I mean, it's oh, it's everything. I, I don't know how you do it. I, I uh, tip my hats to all single parents out there. It's whew, difficult. It's crazy. Stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, I actually have a kid on the way. Oh, good! But nobody that listens to this podcast knows that yet. So this well, exclusive when, when this comes out in a couple weeks, and we're promoting uh, Carter and obviously the run you guys are going to have on Bravo, they'll be hearing this potentially. Exclusivo yeah. here. Any, wow. any advice? Hit me up with some parenting advice. What can I tell you about being a parent? Um, it goes by fast. I know everyone says that the days are long, the years are short. I know everyone says that. Um. You know, it's not easy the, for the first for the first for the first three or four years. It's it's really tough. You know, I mean, yeah. communication is tough. It's they sort of do what they want. Um, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's crazy. But listen, diapers go. They start going to school, and then it just gets really fun. So just stick it out. All right, it's you can do it. All right, I know you can. Well, I'm not going anywhere. So 
and then it's over. Man, my kids are nine now, and it's so it's sad how how old they are. Yeah, in a decade they'll be off, gone. Yeah, man, Gonzo. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to go back a bit because obviously I feel like anybody sort of of our age is kind of obviously grew up stand by me. Sure. Uh, I mean, here in Canada, my secret identity was a big one. Uh, sliders. I mean, sure. I think you were 21 when you got sliders. I, I think. was. Yeah. But you're already such a veteran, I think, in entertainment industry in some ways. You know, it's so funny. Like, I, I'm. It, it shocks me to this day when people know that I, Jerry O'Connell, was in my secret identity. And for those who don't know, it was a kids television show on ctv friday nights about a kid who had superpowers yeah and it was 30 years ago man and it was a super cute show really fun shot it here in toronto um you know it was the time of the original degrassi cast so i was running around with them i was <laughs> that was your crew you know that was my crew i was not because i was not a degrassi kid i was not as cool as sure. some of them but i was definitely degrassi adjacent <laughs> and um it um it was cool it was a good feeling to to run in that crowd we would go to arcades all up and down young street um partying at the eaton center um <laughs> I mean, no one will remember this, but shout out to Lime Ricky's, where a lot of kids used to go and have like sugary drinks and burgers and fries. That was the spot. That was the spot, Lime Ricky's, man. <laughs> but um, were you were, like, were you up here on your own at that point? Yeah, I mean, they Shit. were shooting the show up here, so you know, I, I'm, uh, what, you, you know, you're I, like I, I would, or something? I, I would come up here for four months at a time to to shoot it, but. Um, you know, uh, as an adult, months at a time, that's not that big of a deal. But when you're younger, like, those are pretty formidable years. That's and, what I'm um, getting at. I mean, there's a certain level of independence that you have to sort of inherently learn immediately. Yeah. And Toronto, that's why Toronto, that's why Canada's like such a, like, uh, such a, such a tender place in my heart, I think, because I spent, um, you know, um, man, I spent 15, 16 and 17, I was 15. I was 14, 15, 16 when I was here. That's crazy, man. Those are big years. Yeah. 14, 15, 16. Well, even on that show, you can sort of see you physically change. Well, yeah. 14, 15, 16. Yeah. I mean, you get like chest hair and stuff. <laughs> like, um, it was um, it was great. But, you know, my, my co-star, my secret identity was a guy named Derek McGrath. And everybody should look him up. He's a Second City alum. And he's just one of the funniest. And he was a real mentor for me. You know, I still stay in touch with him here in Toronto. Really? Yeah. He played the professor, for those of you that are... <laughs> <laughs> you have really done your research. He played the professor in my yeah. secret identity. And um, he... Um, it's... Uh, it's it, just everything about it holds a special place in my heart. Well, I guess this gets to sort of the idea of being a child actor in the first place and sort of getting into such a, you know, you become a professional very young and then you can see how it affects all sorts of uh, people that start acting that young on a wide spectrum. You seem incredibly well adjusted and kind and all of those things. Not that others aren't, but what would you attribute that to? You know, it, it's so funny. Um, like I do get like the uh, child actor question a lot and I was a child actor. It's so funny. I just don't think of myself as one, but I was, you know, um, I just think my parents were cool, you know? Sure. I, I think it has a lot to do with parents. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of, like, negative child actor stories, um, but I had, like, really positive experiences as a kid, you know? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'll go as far as to say my child actor stories are all positive. And 
I would let my kids child act in a second. Um, I, I would do it in a second, you know? And it's funny, my, but my kids are just, they go to school and they do it at school, you know? It's not like professional, but like, you know, I I, it, I was super lucky. I just happened to get cast in Stand By Me. It was, like you auditioned and got a gig pretty early on. It was a on. real fluke and it was a real shot out of nowhere. And that film was a classic film. It still is to this day. I was one of the... For those listening, I was one of the stars. I was one of the boys in Stand By Me. If you don't know what that is, you can go go look it up right now. Um, it, um, it 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 just propelled me to another level immediately, and um, I was real fortunate in that sense. And I, I just don't think it. I just don't think it happens like that in real life. Sure. Well, I mean, and that group is is remarkable in its own right. You, River Phoenix, um, obviously of Will Wheaton, who went on to do Star Trek, um, and Corey Feldman. When you're in that group at that time, I mean, I guess it's a first experience, so how can you contextualize? But did you feel like, wow, there's like there's something special here? Like all four of you went on to obviously work. Not when we were making it. When we were making it, I just thought this is just making a movie. And, you know, my father actually said to me before we made Stand By Me, hey, don't tell everyone you're in a movie. This thing is never going to come out. No one's ever going to see it. These wow. independent movies get shot all the time and they usually never get released. And it's like actually a great thing to tell someone, you know, it's like expectation management, you know? Absolutely. Because um, I think my father had worked with a guy who tried to make a movie and it like didn't even get released or something happened. and So he'd lived kind of the disappointment. Of- you know, my father was in advertising and someone he worked with... Um, uh, left to go make a movie and they made a movie and said, I'm quitting the advertising business and all that stuff. And like within months they were like back and they were like, Oh, that movie didn't work out at all. So my father was like, Hey man, don't tell anybody you're making a movie. Cause I work with that guy who told everybody he was going to make that movie and nothing happened. So just zip it and just enjoy the experience. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it really, uh, I, I actually think it was a great lesson. I don't, you know, Absolutely. I don't like to tell anybody I'm working on anything until here I am talking to you about Carter, um, bravo, Tuesdays at 8. You know? <laughs> yeah, once it's made. Once it's it's real, it's like maybe don't put it out into the world until yeah. you know it's there. Um, that's interesting. I mean, so again, like looking at sort of your whole career, you've worked so steadily and been in so many things. When you were in it, did it always feel steady or were there times where you're like, that shit, I, like, I don't know what's next? Like there's ever a concern or like a down period where you thought, you know, what maybe, am I going to do? Um, and this is such a... In, Interesting question. Um, I went to college. I went to New York University. Um, and I worked sporadically through college, so I never really thought about working or not working because I was always going to school. Then college ended for me, and I started working pretty steadily on that show you mentioned earlier, Sliders, yeah. which was a sci-fi show I did in the 90s. And then after Sliders ended, I mean, it just it happens. You go through periods of unemployment when you're an actor, you know? And I found myself living in Los Angeles, and I was unemployed. And that's when sort of, I mean, I don't want to call it depression because I wasn't depressed, but I'll call it anxiousness. Like, why am I living in L.A. um, if I'm not here to act or work? This is crazy. I, I, I would rather be in New York, you know, because it's a lot more fun for me to be unemployed in New York than it is in Los Angeles. But... As I get older, I, um, you know what, also having kids, you know, when you have downtime, now I cherish downtime. I, you know, I, I yearn for it, you know, I, I mean, it's just, 
I get to, you know, while I'm here talking about Carter. Yeah. On Bravo, Tuesdays <laughs> at 8. Sorry, yeah. guys. Uh, no, got to uh, do it, man. I, 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 I got to rep my Bravo peeps. Um, you know, I mean, while I'm here pushing that show, you know, I, I don't get to drop my kids off at school and stuff, and I miss them, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm breaking up fights between them over the phone and <laughs> FaceTime and stuff, you know. it's uh, So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better with downtime now. But, yeah, I guess there's uh, – look, everybody – every actor goes through quiet periods. I don't care who you are, even – I'm sure even George Clooney's got stories about like, you know, not, n- not working, you know? But I mean, did you always sort of, I guess, are you, did you always have like a positive outlook? Like, you know what? Something's going to come along. I'm a pretty positive person. Yeah. You know, I don't, um, I don't, um, I don't get discouraged, you know? I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah. I'm just pretty optimistic. I, I, I can't explain it. It's, uh. Um, maybe to a fault. Maybe I should be more neurotic. It would, it, I would, I would get more work. It seems like a good way to be in your line of work to be optimistic because you never. It's I such mean, a listen. You're also finding me on a good week. You know, I just <laughs> spent like four months up in Nord Bay shooting Carter. So you know, I'm flush with some cash and like things are going good. Cut, cut to a couple months from now, I could be <laughs> crying. Yeah. Oh man, I need some work. <laughs> Talk to anybody, anybody at Bravo, CTV. <laughs> space i'll do a show anywhere please hook it up hook it up <laughs> um well anyway like again just sort of like talking about your career you've had you know the chance to work with a ton of interesting people uh, my brother actually rocks a uh, a team cushman hat hilarious that he For those who don't know i played frank cushman and jerry Maguire, who That's was the right. quarterback who took jerry Maguire. who took you dropped jerry him as Maguire. an agent i dropped jerry Maguire as an agent that's right that's right uh and actually i was with my brother on the weekend he's like you need to wear the hat to the interview i'm like come Team on man. Cushman. I'm, I'm a damn professional i'm not gonna wear that's really hat. funny i should actually get one of those i'm sure i could find it online yeah somewhere. i'm shocked it, it, yeah that's he ordered right. it online. i could i could go make it a six dollar shirt or whatever that story is on college yeah exactly six dollar t-shirt <laughs> Um, I guess my question would be like when you work with somebody like Cameron Crowe what makes them special what makes Cameron Crowe special specifically on an experience like that man it's getting to see people like Cameron Crowe work you know it's just getting to see someone who's different and amazing just do their thing and I mean I, I mean, just to share with you, he's just a very intimate director, Cameron Crowe, who directed Jerry Maguire, where I played Frank Cushman, that your brother has the hat of. <laughs> um, he's just like, I could see him and Tom Cruise like whispering to each other, like being intimate, really finding moments, not cutting the camera, allowing Tom Cruise to really like emotionally like get there this is the scenes that I saw, like when he realizes that my character, Frank Cushman drops him as a, as an agent. Um, it was just watching, watching really talented people and their craft and how, what makes them different. And, um, it was a real honor to be there. It really was. Yeah. Do you have a, a unique Tom Cruise story or was he just sort of like one of many other actors? I, I, I don't know. Uh, Tom Cruise, of course, played Jerry Maguire in Jerry Maguire, the film I was in. Um, no, super nice guy. Treats everybody great. Uh, I mean, and, and I say that, you know, that's not remarkable just by itself, but it's remarkable because he's arguably the biggest star in the world. 
And he doesn't have to be that nice. I mean, I have to tell you, if I were in his position, there is no way I would be as friendly and nice as he is. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. That's You're being serious? Yeah. That's I wouldn't say hello to everybody. I'd just be like, I'm the biggest star. I can relax now. I don't have to say hi to anyone. I can just, if I feel like falling asleep right now, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm just going to take a nap on this floor. Yeah. And people are going to have to step over me because I'm Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, but he's not. He's not. He's super nice and giving. And um, I mean, I guess that's a testament to why he is where he is, you know? Hey, listen, I hear the same thing about Tom Hanks, that he is the... I hear from everyone who has worked with Tom Hanks, he is the nicest person. Uh, forget about in or out of the entertainment industry. Forget about in front of or behind the camera. Forget about movie star, non-movie star. The nicest person they have ever come in contact with in their lives walking this earth. So uh, there's something about that formula that's good, you know? Maybe I'm too much of a jerk to really get that famous. What do you think people say about Jerry O'Connell? Um, I think they say he, like, talks too much. <laughs> um, I think they say he never shuts up about Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's just always dropping Tom Cruise, Cruise's name everywhere he goes. Yeah. Um, no, I think my coworkers say they have a really good time with me, you know? Um, I think uh, I think people say generally positive stuff. Look, there's a couple of people out there who will say negative stuff. We all got that. Yeah, I know because I read their comments on Instagram. <laughs> and people can read your comments on Yelp about North Bay. <laughs> um, lastly, as we wrap this up, um, you know, I guess just in general for our listeners, there's nothing guaranteed in the entertainment business, but you've had a really successful and consistent career. What would you attribute your success to and what advice would you maybe give people in any field? Um. You know, it's funny, um, as, um, like, I, at the risk of sounding pompous, like, you know, um, when I was younger, I made a few mistakes, and that is, like, I didn't, I went on a few auditions I didn't really care about, and I just didn't give it my all. I half-assed it, if you will, and, um... A casting director, I went into an audition and I just didn't care. I didn't really study the, the sides, which is the script that they give you. And I just sort of like goofed off when I read it. And I was just too cool. You know, I was, I was already on a TV show. I was making money. And the casting director called up my agent and asked to talk to me. And I spoke to the casting director and the casting director said, you know, you've been, you've been coming to see me for years. And I said, yeah. And, and they said, um, you know, if you want to continue, you have to treat every audition as if it's like the most important audition. Like, you know, the people who are in that room are going to be casting something else. I'm going to be casting something else. Every audition is, is you have to treat everything like it's the most important. And that really resonated with me. And I was really thankful to that casting director um, who said that to me, you know, and um, it, uh, it, it really has. So, I mean, you really just have to give everything your all. You can't, you can't sort of, slack or half-ass or most importantly not give respect to everything that you come into contact with professionally so that's my only professional advice if it was super boring or not no, like treat all opportunities equally yeah. yeah and really give them the respect i mean it's there in front of you like like forget about doing your best and all that stuff give it the respect give everything the equal amount of of respect that you would the most important 
tasks that are put in front of you. Yeah. Is that cheesy or is not that, at all, man? I think that 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 might will turn into like Tony Robbins here. <laughs> you have to tap into your potential. Let me tell you right now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank man. you, man. I really appreciate it. Good luck with the kid. Cheers. Welcome to the dessert. Calling in for the second episode in a row. New dad, Shane Christian Cunningham. Shane, how's it going? Good. Great. Yeah. I thought we could talk about uh, the birthing video because I want, like, it kind of blew up the internet. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Give some context, Mike, if, in case our listeners, I mean, I'm sure you saw it because well, it yeah, blew up the internet. If but. you listen to us, you probably follow us on Instagram. And if you don't and you want to see what a real live baby being born looks like, go check out our Instagram. But basically, because Shane talked about it last <laughs> week that he had taped uh, the birth of his baby Lucy on the Cobra cam. Um, he said he was going to post it, and he posted it. So it's up there. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. We were uh, at a softball game when it got posted, <laughs> and somebody looked at their phone, and we were all like, have you seen this video? Because we weren't expecting it to be from that angle, to be honest. I was about to hit, and a murmur started on the bench. <laughs> it was like a ripple effect, and everybody started looking at a phone, and then you came over to me. You're like, have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, it shook me, man. I popped out. Yeah. <laughs> Good work, Mike. I just got that. I'm so slow. What did you, uh, like, what were your thoughts on it? To be honest, I didn't know how to totally comprehend it at first, and I didn't know exactly what to say. But I think after I thought about it for a minute, I, I, I kind of equate it to, like, that feeling of watching a National Geographic video where it's just, like, you know that stuff happens in the wild. Like, you know that, you know, animals need to be birthed, but you, you just don't ever expect to actually see it. And I've never actually looked at a woman giving birth before. I mean, like, I, obviously I've seen, like, the movies where they're doing the thing that you describe where they're holding, hand, like, the partner's <laughs> hand and screaming and stuff, but not the actual act of a baby, like, fully popping out and then getting handed over to the mom. I've never seen that. It really felt like a National Geographic film. But I did cover the vagina with a... Uh... A black hole. Yeah, that's a vagina. vagina. Yeah, Yeah. we thought that was a nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) So you were cool with that, right? Like it didn't gross you out or anything. I I think I I still don't know how I feel. You're still conflicted about (laughs) your feelings. (laughs) No, but it was cool. But you know the thing about you, Shane, is that you're you're always honest. And you don't like to censor yourself, even though you did censor something in this case. <laughs> oh, I wish <laughs> we I had didn't to. have to censor it, honestly. If I didn't have to, I would. And it was shot on the Cobra cam. So really, you couldn't see that much vagina. <laughs> <laughs> the quality's so bad. <laughs> and what did, you, what did you think, Mike? Were you disgusted or overjoyed? For me, it was very, um, like, almost immediately, like, my brain was going a million miles a second. Because I was like, wow, I'm watching, like... You know, one of my best friend's child uh, come out and, and see the world for the first time. And I'm seeing Alex, like, and it's emotional. But also my brain, I'm going, everybody else is also seeing this. And this is very interesting. So I was like, this this could be polarizing because it's is it too am I? I don't know. But either way, like, all within sort of the span of that 60 seconds, I feel like I was sort of like, this is crazy. Uh, do I think this is cool? Yes, I do because it's nature and it's beautiful and et cetera, et cetera. And I also thought there's probably gonna be some people that are like, this is too much, but I think that's good too. Cause it makes for compelling content. Yeah. I think that's one of your strengths, uh, Shane is, uh, you bring up, uh, in your conversations and I guess now in your videos, things that are kind of uncomfortable, uh, to maybe talk about or see, but they're life. And that's what makes you a good, uh, you know, comedic storyteller is that you kind of get into the nitty gritty of stuff. And in this time, we got in the nitty gritty of uh, Alex's pregnancy. Yeah. So do you think everyone should go to our Instagram and check it out right now? Absolutely. I think so. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> pause this right now. 
pull up your Instagram, go to at Mike on much, watch the video yeah. and start listening to us right now again. And did you get the music connection that I had there? I didn't even hear the music connection. To be you know, what's funny. You, uh. <laughs> it was Jesse Reyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, oh. cause he talked about how Lucy looked like a little Jesse yeah, when she uh, came out. Funny. Cause we support musical artists all the time on the on this show with interviews <laughs> and stuff. but i totally illegally downloaded that song and threw it on that instagram video without that's, asking anybody that's fine i'm yeah. sure it's fine yeah okay so i just want to get your opinion on that because oddly i got contacted by the least suspecting person he's actually the last guy i would think would be offended by something oh, like this oh. can you guess who it is is he part of our the champagne boys kind of not really though uh, okay, I'll just tell you. It was <laughs> it was Bert. Oh, give some uh, history uh, about. Bert. I like that he's kind of part of the Champagne Boys. <laughs> what? When has Bert ever hung out with the Champagne Boys? Give some context for who Bert is. Yeah, yeah, do hit it, Mike. <laughs> Bert, Bert, Bert is this like seventy year old Dutch man uh, that Shane uh, befriended when Shane was uh, a teenager, I believe, and they started making skits and stuff together. And, and Bert would buy Shane like uh, Tim Hortons muffins and give him rides uh, to and from work. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good it's pretty accurate does that sum it up that's exactly it it just sounds uh, really funny when you put it like that <laughs> i mean anytime you describe your relationship with bert it is kind of funny so there's no way around that so bert is actually one of the reasons my mind was expanded like bert's uh, as you mentioned he's dutch he's european he has a very open free and loose view of the world and sexuality and and not being ashamed of yourself or your body or or anything like that so Bert and I, uh, when we first met, we started going to the YMCA together and we would, uh, we would work out. And then afterwards, Bert would be like, okay, time to hit the showers. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I'll do my normal thing. I'll put on my swimsuit and we'll, we'll head into the shower because I'm ashamed of my genitals. Right. So, and then I would get in the shower and the first couple times Bert would tolerate it. And then on the third time, Bert Bert says, you're not going in that shower with those swim trunks on. And I go, why? He goes, be a man. He's like, it's embarrassing (laughs) for you to be ashamed of your manhood. And he's like, you're going to go in and you're going to shower fully nude. Just for some context, hold on a second. Just so the listeners' minds don't start racing. How old were you when this happened? I was like 14. No, I was 20. (laughs) I was 20. I was probably 20. 21. Okay. But point is, I, I went in and then instantly I saw why, uh, like, you know, Bert is a very well endowed man. <laughs> no, too. dad dick. He's got a dad dick. <laughs> yeah, he's hung like a horse, like, just if we're not going to beat around the bush. But I am not, like, I'm more of, like, they say a grower, not shower. I'm like that style. See, even though you are a dad, you don't have this uh, famous dad no, dick that Max speaks No, it doesn't grow. Of. Just because you have a kid doesn't mean your penis grows. Uh, <laughs> workaholics, they have a whole bit about dad dicks. Okay, mine's not like that. Yeah. Um, not yet. But <laughs> I did. Time. <laughs> As Lucy grows older, you will too. Or something. <laughs> but I did get over my shame okay. and in embarrassment uh, surrounding that. And then uh, Bert, at one point, he had to have a colonoscopy. And he he made me watch the video that they give you afterwards. Like there's an option to give it. So I literally watched a tour of his asshole, <laughs> like 
on a film and like went through it and he was just like, you got to learn this Where was stuff. he showing you? Yeah, like at the Tim Hortons? He pulled out his laptop doing or something? director's commentary. <laughs> no, because I, I was, uh, I would go over to his house for dinners and stuff. <laughs> we watched <laughs> this after the dinner, <laughs> not during. <laughs> he was really like, Shane, you got to learn about your body. You're going to get older one day. You're going to have colonoscopy. You have to like, what? like he was very like educational almost. Sure. And then, when this video hit, he just messaged me. He was like, this is way too personal and, and all this and really coming down on me. Like mm. I shouldn't be sharing something like that. And I was just like, listen, we took a tour of your asshole. <laughs> and I don't think that was some big, beautiful, miraculous thing, but I do appreciate it. But this was literally just a baby being handed to my wife. And it was kind of like a, a beautiful moment. Yeah. So I did think Bert was a little out of line there and sure. anyone who thinks that this video is disgusting or too much? Like, seriously, it's it's literally, if you think about it, it's nothing because you're not seeing the vagina. It's just a blacked out hole and a baby is handed to the mom. And it's a kind of a cool moment that you don't really see. No, you know, there, it was a powerful moment to see Alex overwhelmed uh, with emotion and her husband filming. So. Yeah, and, the, and then uh, Lucy, <laughs> she goes to give a hug too. It's kind of cool. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. if it was... Um, like a crazy complicated birth or something. I, I wouldn't show it. It was just, it was pretty smooth and the camera work was okay. And the, the footage, <laughs> like, I was proud of it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Did you get any pushback from your family or anything? Or did everyone find it beautiful? Everyone loved it. And like people were messaging me and saying like, Oh, cause my wife is obviously a, a school teacher. Yeah. And you know, she has parents who are school teachers and relatives and her dad and, and, and all that. Who's, who's not a school teacher, but you know, he's a, respected man and they were like oh what do people feel about it and actually for a catholic school teacher this is probably the best thing you can show because we're married and we're having a kid and they love that stuff yeah that's all part of traditional values you know it's like always film your wife getting pregnant and put on the internet it's educational max come (laughs) on let's grow up here but there is a stigma around birthing stuff and i do think people are particularly like weirded out by a baby being born Mm -hmm. whereas if this was like a weird brain surgery it would just be kind of i don't know not so repulsive to some people but sure it's a good question i wonder yeah if it's like if it's the intimacy of the moment should be private or just that her legs are spread like visually that's weird for people i don't know well uh, well i was in a documentary uh oddly with bert and uh it was about stand-up comedy but it also had a scene where uh, my friend mark myers his child was born in it and the only difference between that video and the one i shot was it didn't have a, a big black circle over his wife's vagina that said vagina but you didn't see everything else though did you yeah, you saw the baby being handed to her. Well, and her, her but you never saw the, the genitals. You didn't see the genitals in my video, though. True. Yeah, like it's literally just an illusion. Like you just know it's there and like people are uh, like if it was like an abortion video or something like that, my wife would be in like big trouble being a Catholic school teacher. But like the, the beauty <laughs> of life or whatever is totally cool. Excuse me, sir. You can't have that HD Cobra cam in this abortion <laughs> clinic. <laughs> I insist it's educational. <laughs> Are you public or Catholic school teacher? <laughs> um, I'm a supply. I'll take what I can get. No, um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of controversial things, I wanted to talk about how easy it is to kind of be a, a parent. <laughs> <laughs> because I noticed like everyone built it up how hard it was going to be especially in the early going crying baby yada 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 and like it is so much easier 
than a commute. So I, <laughs> I think that because for our uh, listeners, every day you commute when you were working before you were on paternity leave, you would commute from Hamilton to Toronto. So you were losing like three hours a day just in commuting. Yeah, and too, I, I'd be working on other stuff at work. Often I stay late at work. I wake up usually at 7 a.m. And on many, many, many nights, I am home at around 10 or 11 or sometimes even midnight. So this to me is like a total vacation. (laughs) And it's easy. Like the kid, all it does, it'll cry. I don't usually get that much sleep anyway. It's either two options. It either needs breast milk or it needs its diaper changed. It's not some big mystery what's going on, you know, just flip a coin. It's one of the two. (laughs) And then you just do it and it's easy. Well, I think when people say that like being a new parent is hard, I think the first few months are not as intensive. But I think the bigger the kid gets from what I understand, the more work it is because the sleeping schedules um, changes and uh, the kid's just generally more active. Like right now, it's just a little blob, right? I, she's in. She's actually in fairly good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Ripped six pack abs. every day. <laughs> but I do. I just want to say I think the media overhypes <laughs> how hard again. it is. Again. <laughs> and I think the media underhypes or undervalues the commute. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hot topic. <laughs> that is true. Nobody's. Do you realize no one's talking about the commute? How come more people aren't talking about the no commute? No one. And no one's talking about the Obama collusion commute. You know, it's it's true, stuff though. that no one's talking true. about. You, you joke, Max, but it is true. <laughs> All right, what's the next thing? Okay, um, next thing is breast milk. <laughs> people have been messaging me for a taste test, and I thought I would do it. <laughs> Live on the air. So you're going to taste test milk versus uh, breast milk? No, no, I know what regular milk tastes like. I'm just going to... uh, It's like the Pepsi challenge. I got it in the the fridge. Or do you guys want it straight out the nipple? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll try both. Just going to the fridge. Uh, Nice. Wow. This, This might be a first ever for a podcast. Yeah. Like you listen to a lot of pods, Max. Have I've you never, ever heard I've never heard it. One of the hosts live on air try breast milk for the first time? No. Okay. Should I go straight from the nip or from the shot glass? This is really theater of the mind right now, my friend. <laughs> Dealer's choice. Okay. I'm just going to No, I'll do it straight from the shot glass. You don't look like you're lactating right now. Okay. Ready? Uh I'm kind of actually nervous about this. Okay. One, two, three. Hmm. Yeah. What is it's it? not bad. It's not bad at all. Is it tastes like dairy milk? It does. It tastes a lot like it's it's like Is it like cream or is it like 2%? It's kind of like skim with a little bit of sugar in it. Huh. Wow. I could take in my coffee. <laughs> you could have um like a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch and you would not know that it was different milk. Well, now we know. Wow. Our listeners know. If you've ever wondered what uh, breast milk tastes like. I guess Alex only has like a limited supply that should probably go to Lucy though, right? We can't ship that around. Yeah, okay. man. You don't want to fill a whole bowl of uh, cinnamon toast crunch. Baby <laughs> <laughs> needs some Wait, of that Let milk. me try it. I'm going to try it straight from the nipple now. Come on. <laughs> Which one's good? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That one? Okay. <laughs> Okay, one, two, three. Nothing's gone. 
Nothing's going. You've entered a whole new realm here. <laughs> Max, you're the producer. I'll you 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 It's not coming, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, done. This was a bust? <laughs> this was a bust. Uh, yeah, okay, we're done. It's a boob joke, Max. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Uh, thank you to Jerry O'Connell for coming on and having a good chat. And thanks to Shane for calling in. Yeah, uh, the Mike on Much podcast can be found on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow at Mike on Much. Huge thanks to Jenna Gregory and Tara Paquette for uh, putting together the art. Uh, give us a subscribe on iTunes or wherever you... Give, give us a what? How many years have you had? <laughs> a, a, a subscribe. Give us a subscribe. And uh, we got to watch basketball right now. The Mike and Much Podcast <laughs> is produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Beerman. See you next week if we don't die on food. Again.